This episode is brought to you by Milne Feeds. Milne Feeds have been the leading provider of livestock feed in WA for over 100 years and is now proudly servicing the NT2. Their early weaner product is a nutritionally balanced pellet for feeding to pastoral calves and young weaners and has been developed with their high fibre technology to reduce the risk of acidosis. Milne Feeds also have a range of products available for beef and dairy cattle, sheep and horses. Find out more at milne.com.au. Listening to the Central Station Podcast, where we bring you stories of what life in the outback is really like and why many wouldn't live anywhere else. So pull up a stump, pop the billy on, or crack a cold one as we talk to the men and women who call some of the most remote parts of Australia home. Dalga McBean was raised on a cattle station in the Victoria River District in the Northern Territory. With 30 years under his belt as a helicopter mustering pilot, he's seen and done a fair bit around the traps. So, you might think that a podcast episode with Doug would involve all sorts of wild yarns about mustering in a helicopter. But that couldn't be any further from what this episode is about. Although, don't worry, we've convinced him to come back on the show for one of those episodes. In this episode, though, Doug reflects on what he has learnt from his time in the pastoral game and where he sees an opportunity to strengthen the sustainability of the industry. It's a really interesting conversation and similar to one I've had with many people across the country, but no one has been willing to speak about it openly until now. So be sure to join our Central Station podcast group on Facebook and let us know what you think about this episode. As per usual, I started off by asking Doug what he was currently watching, reading or listening to. At the moment, uh, just listening to us, yeah, listening to an audio book yeah, it's gone off a bit of the heavy, heavy stuff that I sometimes listen to. It's called uh, Green Lights by uh, Matthew McConaughey, the actor. And uh, it's a very, 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 very good story. Very funny yarn about his life and... Trials and Tribulations, yeah. And so that's an audio book? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. Okay, I'm definitely going to put that on my list because I love his voice and his accent, <laughs> so. No, he's an interesting character and and um, it's a really good example of never judge, sorry for the pun, but never judge a book by the cover. <laughs> um, I mean, where you see that guy now in his life and acting and fame and fortune and where he came from is um, – yeah, he's uh, he's definitely had a few trials along the way, but the uh, the whole thing of green lights, looking at looking at life and looking at the positives, it's um, it's yeah, it's a good yarn. Yeah. Cool. And yeah. any and anything else? What else do you usually read or listen to? Uh, I um, 
I delve into um, a lot of the, the uh, examining one's mind, I guess, <laughs> for the for um, sort of finding about out about you know, how people think, and um, I guess understanding myself, I guess more so, and um, yeah, things like uh, Simon Sinek's, you know, find your why, or or um, yeah, some of his other works, those sorts of things that um, yeah bring you back to more of a core of who you are and and um and able to give you the perspective of of how other people uh tick i guess is um is some of the the reasons or the the uh, exploration behind that and that's something that we're going to come to later on in this conversation is where you're at now with your business and this idea of you know, taking the pastoral industry beyond uh, understanding animal behaviour to, you know, incorporating understanding people and, and, well, that's just a very brief overview. But before we get there, let's find out a bit about who you are and where you're from and who is this man on the other side of the microphone? Yeah, Steph, born and bred in the Territory. Um, Dad and Mum moved up here from doing uh, back in the drover's days in the sort of late 50s and early 60s and Drew a block down the um, Vic Highway there, Innisfail Station, and um, it was a bare block, and it was uh, yeah put in a ballot um, with that when that area was first cut up. I think about sixty four or something like that. I think they moved in there, and yeah, the five uh, five of us, older brother and sister, and younger brother and sister were grew up sort of at Innisfail. I guess the older two spent a bit of time driving, but as as babies, but yeah, they moved from uh, moved from Camelwheel and came up here, and so I spent a lot of my younger days growing up there, and then oh, a bit of uh, schooling, boarding school, and what have you, and and then um, came back and worked in the camp at Bradshaw. We bought the neighbouring place, Bradshaw, which incorporated, um, which are now cut off, um, Bradshaw Cooley Bar and Wombungee, and Innisfail joined to it. I think it was a an area of something like 12,000 square K, which is similar to the size of Belgium or something. Yeah. So, uh, came back from school and went to the, went to the stock camp and pretty much spent the whole year riding that first year we came back. And yeah, it was a, a really good experience for a young fella. And I guess, yeah, just been working cattle in one regard or another, you know, since then, uh, Delving into helicopters, Dad actually owned his own helicopters through that period, and um, after a while, I just decided that I'd, I'd sort of go down that path. And I think I was about twenty-four, and yeah, got a helicopter license, and um, yeah, spent quite a few years there, and then and then um, went my own way and did a few things for myself, and and started working for other companies around the traps. But yeah, been flying now for about. 30 odd years or a little bit more and yeah, been involved in the beef industry in one regard or another. I escaped a couple of times over to Queensland. Oh, one ex, one time was, uh, three years over near Rockhampton there on a Brahmin stud over there. And, and another was when I was involved in the helicopters. I went over to Mount Isa and spent a couple of years over there. And yeah, they were, yeah, both really good, good experiences and probably reflected the, um, the smallness of Australia and the industry that we're in because everyone knows everyone now and those, you know, those connections, I've still got a lot of those connections. Yeah. So yeah, all, all good. 
as you said just a few moments ago, you've been flying for almost 30-odd years. So yeah. that's a huge amount of experience seeing cattle worked on the ground, in the sky. Well, you know, that's flying and then you've got your on-the-ground experience before that. So it's a it's a lifetime of, yeah, on the ground, in the sky and on dozens and dozens of different properties across the top end in Queensland. We, I'm sure at some point, if you have a good experience, um, we can get you back on the podcast and you can tell us all sorts of yarns. But what we're going to talk about today is sort of where you're at now, you know, rather than going through those 30 years, we're going to kind of come up to today because it's been this 30 years of experience and flying for all different properties and coming across all sorts of different situations and cattle and people and everything that has kind of brought you to a different stage in your career or kind of the the next chapter in your career. Um, so what what is that? Yeah, well, I guess um, what I am sort of aware of um, more recently is the is the feedback from um, public and political aspect in regards to what we're doing in our industry and um, I guess wanting to be proactive and proactive rather than reactive and enabling us to um, have the say in in um, how how we go about doing our job and not having someone else um, come in and take over and you know the live export ban was a good example um, someone coming in and saying well actually you're not doing it right and you need to do it like this that you know haven't got much idea of the industry or the impact that it's going to have on all the players of the industry so my thought is um you know along the lines of there's there's two sides i believe that there's um the human aspect uh which you know i've touched on just briefly and then the animal aspect of of animal behavior and and um you know the best possible result or outcomes when when animals are handled um efficiently and i've had conversations with with a few different people and the human side of i um i use a a company called top cats with a ending in a z um trevor farmer and and julianne cowan um from over at trev's from uh trev's from charters towers and he's been a vet now for a lot of his life and and um and yeah had success in that and then done a lot a lot of other stuff in his life in in uh supporting uh people to achieve what they want to achieve in life and then julianne and her husband of a um, successful cattle operation out of uh, Huondon. So they uh, they come up, and I've been involved now with them for about four years. And and I put not only the fellows that are involved directly with the flying, but all their partners uh, through the through their courses. Usually a two day course, I guess. Or what you know what the saying is. You know, there's there's family businesses, but I guess what we're trying to create is a business family where we all communicate on a um you know on a level of respect and and a closeness that flows not only through um us as uh work colleagues but then that that same attitude is taken back into the family environment when they knock off work and that is also flows over into the clientele um 
where there's, you know, a, a, a huge understanding of their emotions and how those emotions create, you know, your different behaviours and attitudes, you know, your angers or your resentments or your, your you know, your, your bad responses or reactions in conversations and those, all those things, if you've got an awareness of that, um, in the workplace or at home or anywhere in life, really, then you're able to, um, discreate that situation before it happens. And not only that, I mean, they take it into a takeoff in a helicopter every morning and they've got an awareness of, you know, how they're feeling. Um, they're going to come back at the end of the day and, and, you know, have a good day. So that's, um, that's the, the human side. And, you know, it's something that, is really working for me. So I understand what you said about the live export ban and how we've got pressures from outside of industry and there's certainly this ongoing threat that um, the way we operate within industry can be dictated by people outside of industry, you know, basically through regulation um, or the market if, we, if we're not doing what the consumer likes. But I'm just curious if you can just walk me through how you got from that observation after the live export ban of, you know, something needs to be done different to putting your pilots and your staff through a professional and personal development course. Like how did you how do you marry those two up together and how do you get from A to to Z? I feel like there might be a bit more in between there. I guess the um the coverage that I've had, you know, my life growing up and the way people have been worked and treated and the styles of behaviour and communication and what have you over the years have changed. And, I mean, it is a different age and there requires, I think, a different level of um, awareness of how we go about business and how we respect each other. So there's that aspect, but then... Once again, the, the coverage that I've had and, and the, the areas and the, the different operations that I've seen, all the different places and different climates and, you know, there's, I think there's, um, there's probably a, a bit of need for the industry maybe to pull together in, in lifting a standard that is, that is, um, more acceptable. A base of, you know, looking after animals and, and, you know, their well-being and, and, you know, what's portrayed a lot of the time, uh, these days on YouTube or some of the videos that are out there doesn't really represent that. So maybe we need to just revisit some of those things and, and, um, and maybe start just, just doing things a little, uh, a little better. And, uh, and that's, I guess, where, where my thoughts have come from. I completely agree with that. I think if we look at this industry, there's a lot of effort channeled into development in terms of understanding the landscape and livestock and how we can do that better. But we don't necessarily put those same resources into people to ensure they have the capacity to actually achieve those goals. So we say, you know, let's teach you how to do all these skills, but have we actually given you the foundation as a person to be able to manage yourself and achieve those 
those skills and those goals. So I f- that's why I find it really interesting what you're doing. You have a helicopter mastering business and traditionally professional development for your pilots would probably count like getting a low level endorsement, a mustering endorsement, maybe, you know, getting them if they could only fly 22, putting them through a 44, like that is tra- the traditional professional development. And now you've just taken it to this whole next level of sort of this personal and professional development of understanding who they are, how they operate, how they can work better as a team, and which, of course, always, flow, as you said, flows onto how they work with clients, how they work with cattle, how they interact with their family and friends. And it's just this big flow-on effect. And you said you've been doing this for about four years now. What differences have you seen in your staff and their families by by way, you know, you've put their families through this as well? What has the outcomes been so far? Um, I think it's um, just a more, just a nice environment. I mean, there's there's no staff turnover at this stage, and um, in the workplace, there's a level of respect and you know care for each other. If you know if someone knows that a family member is is you know doing it tough and that guy has to stay at home, then another bloke will jump in and you know cover for him with no dramas at all. Yeah, they're just. I mean, there's there's an old catch of. The five principles of, of good people, they're dependable, loyal, competent, positive mental attitude and prepared to do the extra mile for you and that I think sums up these guys. Yeah, there's, there's all those things and, I mean, when you've got a good environment or a good, good culture, I mean, the better communication, better staff retention, less sick leave, uh, less need to be... Uh, to be reckless or, you know, not angry or losing your temper doing a job. I mean, you can still probably fly, um, you know, to get the job done in some regard, but, you, you know, you're having, a, you're having a conversation over the radio the same as we're talking now with, with a calmness and, and, um, and, you know, reflective of the safety that is needed and that the safety aspect is a big, big side that, that comes with this as well. What about ego? What how, what have you found that this, and I'm not saying specifically, I suppose, talking just about your pilots, but you've met a lot of other people that have gone through the course and had conversations just with other people in industry. I feel like ego is sort of one of our Achilles heels because you can't not have any, well, I mean, everyone has an ego, but particularly when you're in a very masculine industry, um, I just, and you know, we're all, not pressured, but there's this expectation to be stoic and tough. And, and I think there's also a lot of ego that comes into play as well with whether or not like, Oh, I can beat that animal. I'm not going to let that animal beat me. Um, I'm going to, I'm not going to let that person talk to me like this, or I'm not going to you know I need to be in control. Like I feel like there's a lot of ego that flies around. Well, <laughs> skis the pun flies around. I don't actually mean helicopter pilots there, but a lot of ego that is there, is floating uh, around okay, in the industry. Okay. <laughs> But also, yes, we do know that pilots have egos of their own, but that's a whole nother episode. No, definitely, Steph, and it's, and it's, you know, relevant in male or female. And, um, and I guess that's what I'm getting at. You know, once you, once you start becoming or have the ability, you know, to have the awareness of, you know, what's, what's coming up for you, what emotion you're starting to, you know, what chemical you're pumping through your veins in regards to that emotion, and it's you know testosterone or or whatever, um, then you know the need to you know do some crazy thing in a helicopter or or you know if it's ground crew, you know do 
something um, that's um, dangerous or more dangerous, you know, on a motorbike or something. And, you know, once you, you take or are at least aware of what it is that you're doing, then, you know, some of that, some of that need to do it uh, vanishes and, you know, you don't need to prove yourself. You don't need to, you know, you can, you can be a, a confident and, um, a confident and, um, you know, be recognized as a good person without having to prove yourself by, by doing something a little bit out there. I mean, we've all been guilty of it. There's no doubt, but giving yourself the ability to have that awareness will allow you to at least, you know, make that decision or maybe I don't need to, you know, go into the next gear or hit that animal as hard or, or respond with a, you know, a mouthful of abuse to someone if, if it's, you know, if that situation arises, you can, you know, take the time to make a better decision, basically. Yeah. And I think this is probably a little, little to the side of it, but another example that just came to mind as you were saying that is maybe I don't need to have this next to beer or, so I think not just within the workplace, but it just gives you that, I guess this, when you understand how you think and why you're feeling and, and whatnot, it gives you the, it's not just in the workplace, but in your personal life as well. Like it's, there's that pressure to perform in the workplace, but then also in your personal life as well. And oh, I don't, maybe I don't need to, you know, keep up with everybody else or whether it's about drinking a beer or wearing the same expensive shoes or anything else. I think it can kind of flow through to all, oh, all aspects. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, it's interesting stuff. I mean, once you start getting into, um, mindsets and, and, um, such stuff, it's, it is, it's, it's never ending and, and you only become a better person by being aware of these things. And, you know, if you want to start exploring those things, there's, there's only good that will come out of it. And it, like you did right, I mean, it, it overflows into every aspect of your life, every relationship in your life. And it's, um, yeah, there's only good. Now, I personally am fully on board with this and have had experience in this area and a lot of conversations with people. And, you know, I've got full buying for this, but I know there's going to be people listening going, Oh, well, you know, and they may not talk like this, but for the purpose of this episode, they'll have this voice. Um, ah, oh, we've been having, you know, stockmen for generations and generations and they never had to do any of this touchy feely crap. And you just know there's going to be someone out there devil's advocate or just, you know, with tall poppy syndrome. There's always someone to pull this back down. And especially if somebody's doing something new, something different, they'll want to just pull it down and say, well, you know, why fix what's not broken or we've been doing just fine as we are, to which I say, no, we haven't been doing just fine as we are. But, you know, what do you say to people? They're like, well, Stockman, you know, our staff never needed this before. Why, why should we be doing this all of a sudden now? Yeah, there's, there's, I think there's lots of sides to it. I mean, one is what I've mentioned earlier about, you know, being proactive and, you know, in the public and political eye, whether it's, you know, local, national or international. I mean, that's the way, it's the way it's going. And, um, something can be on Facebook in, you know, in the blink of an eye. And, and so there's that aspect that we just need to be better, better at what we're doing. And then the um, the other side is is the monetary side. I mean, if you treat animals better, you're going to get they're not going to lose as much weight um, if they can walk into the yard and poke onto a truck without you know fear or stress. Then they're going to weigh better. 
if your cows can poke along and have a baby calf keep up to them, then your calving rate's going to be better. So at the end of the day, it's, you know, once again, it's just all positive. It's, um, yeah, there's, it's beneficial to, to everything. And it's, at the end of the day, it's an easier way to do stuff as well. <laughs> so I'm just going to play devil's advocate again now. So you've said, um, on terms of the monetary side, the impact on cattle. So what if someone's saying, well, we put our staff through a low stress stock handling course or just a stockmanship school. Why do we need to put them through this professional and personal development as well? Like what's the difference between the two of me just going and doing a low stress school and then me also learning to understand myself and how, what, what's the difference there? Yeah, that's, I guess that's what I was, um, yeah, the two aspects of, of what it is that I'd like to see integrated is, is that human factor side that we do with Trev and Julianne. And then another fellow I've been having a bit of a yarn to is old Tommy Shepherd that, um, his company efficient stock handling solutions. Um, I mean, Tom's been around for a while and, and, you know, that, that cattle um, behaviour and and cattle care and and cattle handling, you know that that goes well on its own and it's definitely worth doing on its own. Um, and you know that that should never stop. But it only goes hand in hand. Then um, having having the people that understand not only to you know handle them well but understand their own behaviors and understand their own you know aspects of if if things do start going pear-shaped then they understand not only themselves but why that animal is is doing what it's doing because of their behavior a lot of the time you know if you go out if you go out into the paddock looking for a battle then you'll that's pretty much how that how the day is going to end up but if you go out there with a good mindset yourself a lot of the time that'll flow through into the cattle and it's you know horse handlers the same you know or even any animal if you they can feel it they can if you're agitated or angry or whatever your energy flows through so yeah it's getting a little bit deep now but that's (laughs) no no i'm just thinking you know as much as i hate to admit this and acknowledge it on a public forum, I have seen people snap. I've probably had a moment snapping myself. I, And I think it's one thing, you know, we go through a stock handling school and we understand flight zone, pressure on, pressure off, you know, working off the eye or the shoulder, you know, depending on who you're talking to, all these sorts of things and you understand. But then how does that, how do you get from there to, and this is something that's just one of those Look at me struggling to find the words because it frustrates me so much when you see somebody snap and, and I'm not, I'm, this is not a common occurrence, but it, the fact that it happens once is once too many, you know, punch a cow in the head or they've got a piece of poly pipe and the animal's beating them past the gate. So, you know, if an animal keeps beating them, they'll actually just lean out and actually whack, the, you know, whack the animal. And we all know better than that, but I have seen people and I'm sure I can personally say I have not punched a cow in the head. Um, but I don't want to sound like I'm like some kind of goody two shoes for saying that, but I've, I'm sure I've probably been frustrated and tapped something with some polypipe or something at some point, but I have seen it happen way more than I'd like to. And that's, that's where I think this really comes into play is that it's one thing to, to do a stock handling school and be told, you know, this is the best way to work livestock. This is what's going to get you your best results and your performance from the livestock and be more time efficient. And this is understanding the psychology of the animal and the behavior and how that all works. 
But then when you get put in difficult situations, you have to be the one that, you know, you're, say you're trying to tag something. This is generally where I've seen somebody lay into an animal when it's caught in the crush and they've gone to tag or dehorn and the animal's obviously moved its head around and knocked their hand or, or smushed their hand between the animal and the, and the infrastructure. Mm. And people get that instantaneous, like, ouch response, you know, and seem to shake their hand and then there's the anger and the, they either, you know, I'd, I'd much rather see somebody throw something at the ground or at the fence than <laughs> lane to, you know, that, that's where it happens or, you know, you're trying to move something from the force into the race and an animal will kick out and just clap you, you know, and then you get the polypipe and smack them on the bum. Whereas when you think about it, like they're just defending themselves. They're just getting through, like it's not personal, but we need to be at a point where say that happens that you do get your hand hurt or you do get a kick that your instantaneous reaction isn't to just turn and then just, you know, tit for tat with the animal. Well, you hurt me. I'm going to hurt you back. Yeah. I think that's something that is continuously. And it was only at the end of 2019 that we had footage come out in this industry. I think it was through ABC and through an international activist organization that showed people doing the wrong thing. You know, there's definitely, um, I mean, I don't want to sound like a goody two shoes either. I mean, it's, it's, um, I mean, I've been guilty of quite a few of those things, but I've learnt to learn, you know, there's a better way and um, it would be good to just to start, you know, the, the new people that are coming into the industry, to start the new people that are, you know, young and keen and what have you to start on a good note and and they take that on as a habit and, the you know, the way that they do business and the way that they you know, if they're going to stay in the industry, then that's the way the industry's got to go. And um, so I guess that, yeah, without sounding too um, hypocritical, it's it's just, a, I guess, a realisation that I've had that, you know, you, well, there's, there's different circumstances. I mean, I mean, even, you know, going as far as, as you know, feral animal control, there's still, there's still a humane and a, you know, a better way to do things than than being cruel or um, you know not not doing it in the best possible practice. And um, yeah, so basically just being aware of everything that you're doing and and doing it in your best possible practice, I guess is is I guess where I'm coming from. You know, we've mentioned this a few times that it it impacts and flows onto all different aspects of your life. So it's not just going to impact the way somebody handles livestock, but um, a big thing that, again, I've had this conversation with somebody else recently about how we put so much emphasis in this industry into learning about livestock and land condition. And even now we're starting to catch up and learn a bit more about the business side of things. But how much people management do we learn and everything in this industry? Oh, it was, it was in the episode where I spoke to Tyler Bonish, who's the head stock woman at uh, VRD station that, you know, in her job, it's 95% people management, 5% horses, cattle, landscape, infrastructure management. You know, so much of what she does is managing people. And we see people that say are great at working stock. They can throw a cradle all day. They're very competent. But then, you know, so you think, well, that this is the, the natural progression for them to become a leader in this industry. But everything in leadership in this industry is managing people. And so many of us, we just never get taught those communication styles. So the first step to understanding how somebody else thinks and processes things is to understand how you do yourself. That's why I'm excited to see where this goes. As we've covered, you've been putting your staff through a 
uh, one course for about four years now and you've had good results and that's just your pilots. But uh, you've told me from having lots of conversations with other people, there's been a lot of common threads and themes come up across the board. Now you're at a point where you're looking at seeing how you can take what you're doing with your pilots and kind of applying it to industry and building something that fits the broader needs of industry, not, you know, whether people are a bore runner or a jackaroo, jillaroo, truck driver, whoever they are, aside from just your pilots. So talk to me about this, like how, you know, you, I guess you've had your own little version of trial and error and, and figuring it out with your own people. And then, as you said, the conversation keeps coming up from other people that there is a, a demand for this, the same conversation kind of, you, you keep coming back to the same point. So what are you looking at doing now and what are you, how are you interested in uh, taking this to industry? Well, Steph, I think the conversations that I'm having with the likes of Trev and Tom and, and those, and, and then, yeah, starting the conversation with some of the companies or even some of the private uh, operators, private landholders and the company landholders. And I guess it's for them to see the benefits of this, which I think will be, you know, quite measurable in, like I say, you know, the staff retention and less compo and less accidents and less sick leave and, you know, better communication and, you know, all of the positives that, you know, are quite often spoken about, oh, we can't get bloody people to stay, they're always, you know, this or that or bloody wrecking gear or, you know, all of those yarns that you quite often hear, uh, you know, if, if someone's, I mean, there is, you know, certain aspects of of things that, that you know, are, are an accident or whatever, but uh, nothing's perfect, but at the end of the day, if you start with the right mindset, you've got to go a long way to achieving achieving some some more positive results. And I guess just starting the conversation, there's already you know some good people out there doing one and the other. But just what I'd love to see is just the combination of you know us in the air, you know, talking the same language as the blokes on the ground and having a good day, putting a mob in that are mothered up and. And or, you know, not covered in shit because they've just done two laps of the paddock. But yeah, anyway, that's, that's, um, I guess where I'm coming from and just like to start that conversation, I guess, Steph. Yeah. So we've covered quite a lot in this conversation, but I suppose to sort of start wrapping up and, and finishing up, what is it that really, if, if you could sum up that you're trying to achieve and what, what are you trying to do? What I'd like to do is, um, is, yeah, start that conversation. But I mean, if anyone is interested in in bringing the two together, I mean, I'd be very open to to having a conversation with um, the likes of Tommy Shepherd and Trevor Farmer and Julianne, the the Top Cats guys, and organising something. I mean, I know they've already communicated. If we could organise, it may not happen at the one time, or it, it may happen, you know, one after the other. But for uh, staff or employees, and I mean, this is this also includes management. So as all you know, all are involved, family and you know all all of the staff, and enable enable something that is um, a course that brings about uh, the involvement of everyone on the station, the two you know to become actively involved in in understanding themselves and understanding each other how to and how to get the job done um, better, more safely, you know, with a better outcome for everything, animals included, 
or more so, you know, for the animal as much as for the, for the animals included. So if it all goes to plan at some point, hopefully we'll see some sort of course, school or workshop, you know, something along those lines involving um, Tom Shepard, Trev and Julianne and yourself and perhaps anybody else, you know, a package that can be offered to kind of, I guess it's really, it's quite holistic bringing together different aspects for a, for a staff personal and professional development opportunity. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's, it, um, how that looks, you know, can be, it can be, you know, made to fit any sort of environment or, um, timeline, I'm sure. But just with the, the outcome of incorporating the two, I think is the, the focus for me. And yeah, I think it'd be pretty exciting for the industry to have that on board. And it, it will be reflective in the way we're represented, you know, across Australia and across the world. There's a couple of questions I like to ask each guest at the end of an episode. And the first one is, and I think this is very fitting for this episode in particular, what do you do to look after yourself? Oh, goodness, it's um, it's an ongoing uh, an awareness, again, awareness of, of um, giving your time away, giving yourself time away from business. Um, I really need to book myself a holiday to get away and and just switch off, um, let the mind reset. Um, I mean, there's all, you know, there's, it's extreme and there's, when you look around the world or Australia to, you know, lots of very successful people, I mean, escaping could mean many different things from, you know, escaping into the bush and sitting down quiet with the animals or, you know, meditation or or whatever so you know I'm exploring any or many of those things to um yeah just to quiet the mind and look after myself on a physical aspect um I mean you go into a whole different realm of conversation once you start looking at when you start getting a little bit more mature and uh those sorts of things you need to look after yourself um more so physically as well another question I like to ask is what is a book that has influenced your life and that you would like that you would give as a gift to other people that you really recommend other people to read? I think that one I mentioned earlier that uh, find your why. I mean, if a teenager or a young person or any person, in fact, no matter what age you are, find what it is that you're truly passionate about, then your life will have a whole different flow to it than spending, you know, lots of your life doing something that, you know, because it's what you do and that's what you are told you should do and that's what you think you should do because that's what other people do. But if you find what it is that truly drives you, which I think I'm starting to find, it's got a whole different feel to it. Looking back on your life up until this point, what would you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned along the way? Oh, goodness, Steph. Um, I think there's many lessons. Probably learning about yourself. I think learning about yourself is probably probably one of the biggest things that you'll do because um, if you come to know yourself, then that will create the outcomes of any situation, anywhere, anytime. That only just jumped into my head then, but 
there's lots of lessons you can learn along the way, there's no doubt. But if you learn a bit about yourself, it makes life easier. Ag Workforce specialises in recruiting for agricultural jobs, including farm work, station work and agribusiness across Australia. View current jobs, advertise a position or register as a job seeker at agworkforce.com.au. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or leave us a review. It really helps other people find our podcast. You can find our website at centralstation.net.au where we have over 1,200 stories published from across Northern Australia. All of our podcast episodes, a tourism directory for visiting an outback cattle station and training and employment resources. We're on Facebook at Central Station, True Stories from Outback Australian Cattle Stations. And we're on Instagram at centralstation.net.au. And we're also on Twitter at Central Station 6. To discuss this episode with other listeners, head on over to our Facebook group, Central Station Podcast.